I highly recommend going from individual contributor to manager in the same company that you're in. Because one, you get all of that benefit of knowing the technical, you know, details behind the scenes because you've already, and also it's very, very low chance that I'm going to hire a manager who's never been a manager before, not from my own company. So promoting from within is the way to go. And then after that, you can look at other companies to be like your second manager job or director or something like that. Hey, listeners, we spend a lot of time at Dev Interrupted talking to leaders about what makes them and their team successful. But how do you know what makes an engineering team great if you don't have anything to compare it to? Mark your calendars because the 2023 Engineering Benchmarks Report is about to be released. And to celebrate, Linear B is hosting a virtual event for engineering leaders. Attendees will be among the first in the world to explore the landmark data. This year's report analyzed 3.6 million branches from over 2,000 dev teams across 32 countries. Deep dive into the data by team, size, geolocation, and industry. Plus, see how elite teams perform against Dora metrics and get acquainted with brand new benchmarks like Investment Profile introduced this year. The best part? Just for registering, you'll receive a free pre-release copy of the 2023 Software Engineering Benchmarks Report. Don't miss out. Be at the forefront of engineering excellence. Register today at linearb.io slash events or use the link in the show notes. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lines, Linear B co-founder and COO. And today, we're joined by Chiagu Gisi, Director of Engineering at NewBank. Chiagu, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, of course. It's awesome to have you with us today. And I'm going to give a little bit of a background about you. You've worked for startups in Brazil and the U.S. I think you've been, as we were talking before the show, you're 10 years in New York City now. Almost there. A lot, <laughs> almost, almost there. Almost at 10 years now. A lot of major companies that we've all heard of, places like Apple, American Express, ThoughtWorks, so some big-time companies. And through your time at those companies, both big and small, you've kind of done it all. So you've been a software engineer, you've been in QA, a project manager. I have a note here about SRE even. And now today, engineering manager, and I think you're a director now, so even more management. And you've really made it your mission to help engineers, managers, help teams grow, which is why you are the perfect guest to kick off Dev Interrupted series on the career journey of an engineering manager. So this is going to be a multi-part series. It's more of a collection of stories. It's about learning. It's about experiences, lessons, failures, triumphs from leaders just like you. So in this first episode now, we'll be discussing how to get your start as an engineering manager, how to stand out in the interview process, what it means to be a manager, and how to take your first steps once you become one. So we have a packed show today. Chiagu, let's kick it off. I think the best place to start is when an engineer comes to you. So an engineer is coming to you and they say, hey, I think I'm ready to try out being a manager. What's your first thought? That's great. 
So, I mean, I have had that happen to me like a bunch of times. And I think like it would depend a lot on the, on the profile of that engineer and my previous history working with him or her, right? But in general, I, I would expect that that person was already doing some kind of leadership job, even as, as I see, right? So if it is someone that's like just like coding all day long, hate meetings, does not have any soft skills, it's not like communicating, usually I, I have concerns about that. But if it is someone that I see that is ready taking some additional responsibility that's already communicating across uh, not only engineering, but also talking to designers, talking to the, the product manager, talking to other dependents that we have on the, on the project, right? Someone is already doing a little bit of work across. I would say that's more like a time of like, okay, how can we make that happen? Because I, I'm usually really comfortable with people transitioning to management and trying it out, right? The, the other thing is, I have, I would say, a strong opinion about how, let's say, if that person is more like a generalist or more like a specialist, because I tend to feel that managers are more successful when they have a more diverse and a, like a little bit more full stackish uh, generalist background. Because a lot of management is about navigating on different domains, connecting the dots, connecting people, right? And not only yeah. the one that knows the most about a particular platform or the one that has spent years on a particular domain, a particular language, or some, someone that is really has only seen and has only done a small part of this tech. So that concerns me a lot, a, a little bit. So I would say... Those two things, like, okay, what was the, the background? Uh, what different language frameworks, what different parts of the stack they have worked on? And are they already doing some kind of leadership? Are they already seen as a, as a leader by the other more junior ICs? I would say those are really good things that you should watch for before you start to transition someone to management. Because those could be red flag, but even with those two things, I would say... Not everybody's going to like, not everybody's going to be successful as a manager because yeah. for different reasons, but those are good, really good indications. Right. I'll steal something from you. So you've made a lot of, I think, great LinkedIn posts. And I think you have some articles and stuff like that. And I read a few of them before. One of the things, it's actually a tip from you. If someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to be you know, a manager now, the first thing that you can respond with is why. And in my career, so I've had, I've had a lot of people come to me with this. And I think when you start out with why, first of all, you can weed people out that it's not the right track for. So I'll, I'll give an example. So if someone comes to you and says, I want to be a manager, you ask them why, and they say, well, I really want to grow my career. I need more money. I'm like stuck being like an yeah. uh, individual contributor. I don't think there's like a good career path for me. That's a red flag. And actually what that means, and this is something that we're focused on a lot at Linear B with our people management person, Jess, sometimes it means there's not a good individual track and that's not expressed, meaning, okay, there's junior engineer, there's 
engineer, there's senior engineer, there's staff engineer, there's prestigious, your lead. So sometimes it means that they cannot see a clear path for career growth on the individual contributor track. And you want to hit that right away and say, hey, I don't think you really want to be a manager. I think you want career growth. And let me talk to you about an individual contributor track. So that's one thing. Now, on the other side, I really like what you're, you're saying. If they're coming to you and saying, you know, I really want to make people better. I want to make sure our projects hit on time. I want to make sure that, you know, engineering's work gets out there to the customers and it's really great. I love hearing those kinds of things. And one of the things that I found in terms of like a good sign, you, you mentioned a lot of good ones, but the one that I would add, usually they care about like quality and they care about support. And they're like listening, oh, this feature, you know, we can't get out to production or it's having issues. They're connected with their local, I would call it like their local ecosystem. So it's like quality, SRE, support. And then after that, like, you know, very tight knit with product, then into marketing and and all of that. But I think that's a good, I always found like if they cared about quality and they want to get the feature out there and they care about support, that's a very good sign. What do you think about that? Yeah. No, I love that. And the, the why question is, yeah, is, is the first thing you should ask. And I think if you're working with someone for a while, you, you kind of already know the why, right? But I think it's worthwhile asking like either way, right? And the other thing I would say is like another bad answer is the, on the why uh, is, oh, because I, I don't want to be technical anymore, right? Oh, because I, I only want to like do the people side. So that's also a red flag on the other side because engineering manager is still an engineer and you still are expected to stay technical and to be able to give feedback, to look at the architecture, right? But of course, you're looking yeah. at a more higher level vision. But the, the point you said about like, for example, if they, if they are already doing some of the job and if they are like, oh, I want more money. I don't see how I grow beyond this point is a big red flag for the company. And like the company should fix that and make the career ladder crystal clear. The other thing you said, and I think that's a really good, I would say green flag, <laughs> a really good sign is that if someone wants to, to do that because they are seeing problems that are really hard to solve as I see, right? Either productivity problems or either pain points on the customer experience. And they know that, as, as I see, they're going to have a much smaller scope. They're going to be looking at one or two things at the moment. And as a manager, they can like have a, a little bit more broader impact and talk to more people, influence in some other places, right? Because they're not going to be only in developing on, on the different piece of the code base. So I think that is that was actually the reason why I transitioned to management, because I was seeing those problems. I was already acting as a manager doing a lot of that during my day today, but trying to balance to do the IC work at the same time. And that was impossible. And you see a lot of people getting burned out uh, on that, right? right? Trying to do both yeah. jobs for a while is good. Uh, is a good experience to, to not formally have the role, but being doing the job. But after a while, it's exhausting and impossible. Yeah, you, you touched on so many good things there. One thing that you said was you have to stay technical. One of the best engineering managers that I've ever seen is actually my co-founder, Ori, who's our CEO now, Ori Karen. He stayed super technical. 
but also had all of the skills around management that I think we're going to touch on that you need to be successful, making people better, seeing the big picture, talking. And I do want to just point out that if you get too far away from the technical side, which is maybe one of the misconceptions, we'll get into misconceptions. Then you you lose like the ability to actually make good decisions and know where to spend your time and make people better. So so you do got to stay technical. One thing that I, I will point on, and then we're going to go into misconceptions of management. You said something, I think if someone came to you and said, yeah, I don't want to stay like super technical. One thing that I will point out since we're talking about careers, high demand right now for people that come from an engineering background that move into a product manager role. So you started as a software engineer, you know, now, I mean, every company now is like a, a mostly a software company. And a, there's a lot of amazing technical products out there. And if you have an engineering skill set and then you transition into a, a product manager, oh my God, that's a, I mean, now you have like the double threat. You know how engineering works. You can relate well to engineers. Then you learn how the customer works. So just pointing that out, if you do hear that, maybe a product management track for that person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you yeah. stay super technical still, right? I mean, even as a PM, you can keep like looking at the code, keep looking at architecture, but you're, of course, going to be looking at different perspectives, a different angle, right? Uh, I used to say, I mean, I like to say that the being technical as an engineering manager is different than being technical, technical as I see, right, as an engineer. Because the way that I look into that, if you if you look into the C4 model, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, the C4? The C4. C4. No, tell us. So C4 is a way to basically design a system architecture, basically to, to draw out how your, your architecture is broken down and C4 stands from like uh, the the four layers. So it's like context, uh, con containers, components, and code, right? So you see kind of like, okay, what is the context around, what is the system context around this, this architecture, right? Okay, this talks to external system, has a database. Then you get into the, the containers that are the deployables. Then you get into the components, right? And then you get into code. So as an engineering manager and, and also as a as a product a technical product manager, you have to to look into especially the top three levels, right? And but not much in details on the components and on the code side, but you have to understand exactly kind of like okay, who used this? Like what are the bottlenecks at the container level? And of course, get deeper on the components. So you know what are the different models you have on your system that are causing troubles, like. What are the responsibilities? If someone is doing a big refactor or a big thing, you know exactly what's moving, what connects with what. You're able to be on the own call, right? If something is breaking, you're able to, okay, I need to restart this. I need to do this. The database is running out of space, whatever it is. You have that, that context and that allows you to navigate, allows you to talk to engineers, to estimate projects, right? Because that's the only way you're going to be effective, right, uh, as, as a leader. And also to have some respect and a shared language to, to continue to be an engineer in some sense. So that's the, the difference. Like while the engineer is looking at the, the micro level, the engineering manager is looking at the more macro level in terms of the architecture. 
Yeah, that's probably the biggest difference. So the, you just came up with the four C's or the four C's paradigm there. You know, the last time yeah. that I heard about the four C's, it's when I bought a diamond. Everybody diamond? Cut, oh, clarity, I, I yeah. color, yeah. and carrot. Yes. I had yes, to look yes. it up, yeah. A four yeah, C's. C4 model is actually uh, <laughs> it's not my invention. Uh, C4model.com yeah, yeah, yeah. is, uh, is a guy named Steven, I believe, but we have to check. Let's jump to misconceptions. Are there any top misconceptions that we didn't, you know, kind of hit on that you'd want to put out there for people? I feel that maybe a misconception or something that people undermine or like don't don't actually know how much effort it is, is around aligning people and around, I would say, managing people, but more on the performance management side, right? performance review, performance cycles, all that. I have seen a few managers kind of stepping sideways back to IC after experience like a year of like performance reviews and have to go to that cycle as a manager, right? So on the alignment side, I think people undermine how much effort it is to try to convince a bunch of people or a bunch of different squads or like to to go on a single goal end-to-end, right? And there will be people with strong opinions everywhere. And your job as a, as a manager is going to be cut through the noise, right? And like to, to get those people to, to be okay with paths that they are not super happy about, right? So especially if you want to have high-performing teams, right? You need that ability to, to go on, understand the architecture and to align people because if you just lack the... The gravity happens, let's say. The, the standard is people are going to be blocked. People are not going to make decisions, right? So your job is going to be to be a facilitator, but more importantly, to be working in the background to align people and to make sure that they, they're able to converge, right? So that takes a lot of effort. And on the people management side, I think giving feedback, especially when it's not well-received, right? And having to present promotions or like on calibrations have to defend a particular case, right? For high performance, all that, getting pushback from other managers, not being familiar with that is a super scary uh, area and is a completely different skill set than you're used as an engineer. So I think those things are things you should be aware of before. And of course, there will be with that a lot more meetings, a lot more. And I think that is, a, that is a limit of how much you can optimize because you're going to be doing one-on-ones. And, but I think like the, the things that are going to be consuming a lot of our energy around alignment and people management, career management is hard. It's hard to, yeah. to give feedback, and especially when people are not really open to that, right? And you need to sustain that for a while to, to then get a little bit more comfortable because if you just stop on the first time you get a pushback, you're not going to last. I mean, I think you you nailed it. I, I, I can comment on each. So, I mean, like the role, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of communicating. There's a lot of translating. So you're going to go from isolated time on the keyboard, headphones on, diving into the zone to meetings, communication, translating what things mean to different people. You can kind of tell if someone's going to be good at that. So like, yeah, of course, a few tips. Is this person a good order or communicator? Can this person translate from 
engineer to engineer, but also engineer to the business. Who's the business product, CEO, marketing, that type of stuff. In my career, like I can usually tell who, who would be good at that. And it, again, some of those indicators before already working with the internal ecosystem. I think it's the second one that you said that trips the most people up, which is the people management, because that is a whole other thing. You're going to have people, and, and I don't want to discourage, I, I was an engineering manager. It was awesome. It launched my career, to be, to be honest. But yeah, people are going to come to you. Hey, Dan, I'm not happy. I am having trouble with this person or people aren't performing well. You got to let people go. You got to hire people. People are people. They have all different types of problems. Problems will come your way. Could be a Friday afternoon. You think everything's clear. Hey, I'm really unhappy working here. I got, we got to talk. Okay. So you got to be on and you got to be, it's kind of just like a next level of emotional intelligence working with with people. And that's the one that I, that's the part that I've seen people go from being a manager back to IC more than any, anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I I fully agree. And you reminded me of additional two things, actually. One is, it's super hard to be managing at the first time, and especially hard to be managing someone that used to be your peer, right? And if you're going to be a first-time manager, a lot of times that might involve managing people that used to be your your peer in the company, right? That's And the the second thing that I think is a good indicator if someone is going to be successful as a manager at might be controversial is how much how much heat can you handle right when you have a really tough meeting with C level or VP level like saying that the project is not going well or that whatever you're presenting is not that good right how does this person handle or have has handled this in the past right can they stay calm can they put a plan together are they humble to to admit that or are they more the explosive kind of like people that are not able to stay calm, stay in control when those tough situations happen, right? Right. Because your your job as a manager is going to be to calm down, to put a path forward, right? And if you're not able to have a history of not being able to handle those situations, right? And having your manager to, to be the one calming you down and putting you on track, you're going to be by yourself, right? Right. Yeah, a lot of that is conflict resolution. Some of it can be taught, but honestly, I think it's like a DNA thing. I think you kind of either have it or, or you don't. So yeah, I mean, that, that I think that's something to identify within yourself before, you know, deciding. I will move us on because the next one is very interesting. We had this topic titled, how to stand out in your interview. So how can someone shine in the interview process you know what? What do you look for? That's a, that's a tough one. So just as a context, so I I have spent a lot of time trying to get better at interviewing throughout my career, and that was the thing that got me a job abroad and allowed me to move from Brazil to the U.S. Right, and one of my goals, kind of like a couple of years back, was to was to help more engineers to move abroad to get better, high paying jobs, like. Because I, I are you saying from Brazil? From Brazil, from, Brazil. from like yeah. I would say more developing countries, right? Uh, yeah. Because I think Brazil is just one of many. Brazil's and, got uh, like an amazing 
startup thing going on. Amazing, like, talent, awesome, amazing, awesome people. stuff. I mean, yeah, engineering wise is yeah. is incredible. And I'm working mostly with Brazil these days. My, nice. The majority of my team is is based in Brazil, and I'm super glad of that. But okay, on the interview. So I would say that there are a couple of things, right? So that is like they like interviewing as IC. That's one thing. Interviewing as a staff engineer. That's your IC, but the expectations are different. And there is the other thing: interviewing as an engineer manager, right? So there are a few things that I can say about the technical aspects, right? So when when you're going on both sides, like the code interview, system design, right? I think like on those things, like there is no easy tip or thing that I can say is like, it's going to be a mix of experience and practice, right? Like how much have you been trying out those things? And it's going to be really hard to be a great uh, interviewee if you, ha- if you don't have experience or if you have not done those kind of exercises before, because those are different things than you do on the day to day. That is a relationship, but at, at, at most, you have to prepare for that. But I think the, the, the thing that I emphasize the most is about the behavior interviews. And especially for managers, I think that's what is what breaks most people on, on the interview process because they don't know, they either don't have a structure or a framework on how to answer those questions. They don't have an inventory of things that they have done uh, to showcase on those uh, when they get those questions, right? And or they talk about the we and not about the I, right? They don't talk about their specific contributions, right? They don't sell themselves, right? I think that's an, another problem. So I would say on the system design and coding side, I think the best thing I can say is do a lot of pair programming, a lot of mock interviews, and and that's the only way to go. And designing a lot of systems, like I think that's where you're gonna be more successful. On the behavior side, the thing you should do is every job you have, right? You should at least have like top three to five stories, top three to five accomplishments, challenges you had. And then uh, whenever you get those questions, right? Oh, tell me about a time you had a conflict with a peer of yours. Tell me about a time you had to manage a low performer, right? Those like maybe top 20, top 30 questions that like people ask in behavior interviews, you have a story behind it or you have a framework, right? Every single behavior interview question, you're, you're going to answer using the, the STAR methods, right? Uh, that's the situation, task, my action, and the results, right? And mm-hmm. of course, you should not spend 10 minutes on that or you're going to answer as a framework because that is where especially manager and staff engineers struggle the most is that they get a question like, Oh, tell me what you look for when you are, let's say, designing a new, a new system, right? That's a framework question. They don't want to, to look on histories, right? They don't want you to tell the last time you designed a, hist- uh, a system and what you did. They want to see how you think, right? And if you don't have like a, a framework on how you operate, it's going to be really hard to convey. You're going to be like waving hands and running circles. And the final thing is write it down how your answer to those like well-known questions and have friends of yours or mentors reviewing and commenting on that, right? What looks good? What's like, uh, that's a little bit shady. That's not a good example. Yeah. Because 
once and the fact that you're not going to be using the script, but the fact that you wrote before and took the time to like nail down the bullet points on how you would answer, I guarantee that your performance on the interview, how you're going to convey is going to be much, much better. So I think those are the things that I would say. Super smart stuff. A lot was going through my mind while you were giving those great answer. And I'm going to try to summarize. So first and foremost, the difference between a good interview and a manager and a bad interview, a bad interview is everything that you say is really vague. A good interview is you're coming with specific examples of here's the situation that I was in. Here's how I handled it. Here's what I did. And here's what the team did. So here's what I did, here's what the team did, and here is the end result, specifically. And yeah, if you think about like the perfect answer, I'll get, try to give like a perfect answer, because you're going to, what the interviewer wants you to do is give specific answers of what happened. So the perfect answer, if someone asks you like, uh, hey, we're in a situation right now where we're like changing our agile methodology and how to set up a team. How have you set up a team before? How do you view the team that you manage? Here's, I'll, I'll try to make up a perfect answer on the fly, but of course, well, first and foremost, I believe in the Spotify model. That's a framework, the Spotify model. So I believe in squads, guilds, and chapters. That's what I like the most. Now, what we did specifically, because I've been through this, is I set up my squad and I, it was a group of engineers who had all the skills. I had UI, I had f- full stack, I had backend. We were able to deliver. But what we did is instead of using chapters in the Spotify framework, we actually did X, Y, and Z. And what happened when I rolled out this framework was this and that and that. So I can't you know, say exactly on yeah, the fly, yeah. but there I came with a framework. I said how I rolled it out and adapted it. And then the outcome was, hey, it went really, really well. But if I would have done it again, I would have changed this other thing. Like that's Perfect. a really dope, dope answer. Yeah. Now you have yeah. to have that answer for every single question and you'll probably get the job. One thing I would say is like, th- there's an additional thing, but let me try to summarize. So whenever you are on the behavior interview and you got a, you got a question, there are two things you need to ask. It's like one, is it style method answer or is a framework answer, right? Because in the example you gave, it's clearly a framework, right? They're not looking, oh, tell me about last time you set up, I don't know, a squad, right? They're they're asking a, a broader scope, right? Tell me your philosophy around that. What do you look for? And when you answer that, you need to be specific about it. Answering, oh, I use the Spotify model and stopping there is bad. It's pretty bad because... Like the, the, the reality is really different than theory, right? We know that. People that are in the industry know that. And the second thing that I forgot to mention is at what level I'm interviewing for, right? So if you are interviewing for a senior engineer position, whenever you're answering both the framework or the, like the historical like story, right? You look, okay, let me show how I have performed as a senior before. If you're interviewing for staff or for a director position, you don't want to hear answers that that are like either five, 10 years old or that give the impression that you have a much smaller scope than you had or you're working on issues that you should not be working on because they are not at the level of your level of competence, right? 
So those right. those two things are really important. And if you if you miss one of them, you're gonna be like off on a tangent, right? And there is the last aspect is you should also not be speaking for five minutes and telling stories. And you wanna give just like small appetizers to get the interviewer like interested and actually ask you more and going deeper and deeper and like just unlocking new things, right? Unlocking more insights. And you kind of, you almost, you want to leave things unsaid for the interviewer to ask for you to then knock it down, right? That's the, yeah, the that's perfect cool. answer. It's like you get into things, you say something and they get curious and you say something more deeper and like, oh, wow, that's the, that's the impression you want to leave. Great point. So I think we gave like some amazing tips here. And then I'll, I'll finish it off on one, one thing that you said, like if you're interviewing for a manager position and you've only ever been an individual contributor before, I highly recommend going from individual contributor to manager in the same company that you're in. Because one, you get all of that benefit of knowing the technical, you know, details behind the scenes because you've already, and also, it's very, very low chance that I'm going to hire a manager who's never been a manager before, not from my own company. So promoting from within is the way to go. And then after that, you can look at other companies to be like your second manager job or director or something like that. So I think that's important. 100%. Make sure, yeah, promote 100%. promote within for your first one. There is one thing there, like, Transition into management is already a pretty difficult thing to do. Doing that on a context on where you have zero knowledge of the product, the people, the process, right, is even more like an impossible mission, right? It is like, and that's the reason why so many companies are super skeptical about someone transitioning from the IC to management like on an interview, right? Like you have to transition tracks inside a company already have context yeah. because that's the way you're going to be able to see. That's the way you're going to be. If you have some some like low points and, and why not? You, you have some credits or some goodwill that you, you conquer before in the company, right? So you, you get that uh, motivation and you also get people to support you if you're not that great at the beginning. But Joining a new job, if you have never done before as a manager, impossible. Yeah. yeah, impossible. Okay, let's move to our last topic. Again, this is going to be a multi-part series. So the last one for today, let's go on how to onboard yourself as an engineering manager. So this is around how do you get a successful start, you know, you've interviewed, you, you've become a manager. What are some tips, maybe first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days to get started off on the right foot? I love that. So I, I remember I posted on LinkedIn last year on a, a post that went kind of viral. And it was, uh, it was not idea from me, actually. It was idea from Dave Anderson that has amazing newsletter on management and so usually people talk about the, the, the 90 days, right? They're like, okay, three months onboarding, right? And David had this thing that I, I loved that was like, you should be able to onboard yourself and get up to speed in three weeks, right? Here's how. 
But I, I think like he, he focused on things that I, I like a lot, but I would say in general, right? Like I think you want to understand three big, big aspects, right? One is the people aspect, right? Especially if you're talking about onboarding as a manager. The other is the product or the problem space, right? You understand like who are the users, what are the pain points, right? Like all that. And the last one is the, the systems or the architecture going to be operating under, right? what you have running in production, like what does what, what system is integrated with what. And getting into that picture in three weeks is definitely possible. And I think, like, I like to start with the people aspect, getting deeper there, and then start to understand the, the product. Uh, and then only after getting deep into the, the ecosystem, into the engineering, doing deep dives and all that, but I think like there are ways to build a three-week plan that you're going to get at the end fully up to speed, right? And if you feel about those three big areas that you need to know and you need to be aware of, like who are the people, like what they're doing, what are they concerned about, who are the people that are able to, let's say, help on one particular area or the people that are able to help. And inside people, there is like, who are the partners, right? Who are the people inside the organization, especially if you work on a big org, uh, if you work on a startup, I would say that's more external partners, right? But like, who are the people that can help you? Who are the people that depend on you, right? Who are the people that are going to be asking you for stuff, right? So I think those is really interesting to create a map, not only on the, the team topology, but also on the the external dependence, right? And of course, talking to each one of those people, asking then, okay, who else do you feel I should talk next that would help would help me to navigate as a manager, as director, right? And uh, on the on the systems, the engineering side, I feel is getting a couple of the the ICs is a good opportunity for them to connect with you, and doing some whiteboarding is a great is a great thing, and mapping also the playing field, I would say. And uh, on the product side is a great opportunity to talk to customer service, to talk to your product uh, product leads, right? Understand the roadmap, understand, okay, the dates, the timelines you have ahead of you. And if you're able to get a sense of those three things, I think you're, you're pretty much on board. It doesn't mean you're going to be at 100%, yeah. but you're going to be set for success, right? So I would say those are the things that I would look for. That's cool. I really like your idea to start with the people because the other thing when you start with the people, they will like your the developers that are reporting to you, they're going to use that as an opportunity to tell you about the pain points in the system. Hey, I really like check out this pull request. This is an example of like something that's not going well. Or okay, like check out this area of the system. I've been really struck. Like they're gonna tell you what the pain points are. And when you meet with everybody, you're gonna have like an idea. Oh, okay, now I know where to dive in. And then the other other thing I would say is maybe that you know, like not every team has this, but maybe you know there's an architect or there's another like director. Hey, could we sit down and do a whiteboard session of how the system works, where are the strengths of the system, where are the weaknesses. What are we working on next? Where is this evolving to? Like that, that can help, I think, a lot accelerate. Yep, yep. The, the, the other thing I would say, I think it's really important to use your onboarding as a, a validation step, especially towards the end of like the, the second or third week. You want to be the one, 
that's validating with the people that you're going to be working with. Okay, those are the problems. You want to have the people that told you the problems hearing from you to make sure that your interpretation is actually correct. And you might have more insights, connect problems together, but you also want to be proactive on that sense. You, wanna, you don't want to be just reactive, just absorbing, right? And the way to do that as a manager is to putting yourself in positions where you're presenting things, where you're like trying to summarize, digest those information, because that's where you get the feedback. No, that's completely wrong. That, oh, that's on the right path, right? And people also get to trust you because, oh, wow, two weeks already saying the problems, they already understand the relationship between things, already asking questions that I don't know the answers for. So I think this uh, is a great thing to keep in mind during your onboarding as well. Well, you, you kind of said it there, but let me ask you the direct question. So, you know, you're, you're a director and you bring on a new manager that's reporting to you. At the end of two weeks or at the end of three weeks, what would impress you? Or what would be the signals that, that would show that, oh, this person's like on the right track? I would say two things. I mean, one is someone that would bring me concerns they have, either like regarding people or regarding things that they don't understand or they're like, like they are confused about. Like, like for example, one, it could be, okay, I talked to these and these, these people and I felt that this engineer is not happy or there is a conflict here, right? That one that is able to map some action points, some hotspots, right? And on the other side, someone has really good questions about why are we doing X if the problem that we have to solve is X and if you have this tech that to do, right? Or like, why have we not done the design of the system this way? Someone that is like, is able to articulate great questions that like sometimes you, even you, like as a director, or as a manager that have, has been there for, for years, is like, wow, that's impressive. Or is like, okay, that's great. I had, let me give you some context, right? That is a good indication that they, they got deep enough to be able to like make some connections and ask questions. And that means that they're, they're really going like on the right track, in my opinion. That's cool. Yeah, it's almost like if I came on and I was reporting to you, it what would be really badass is in the first week, I set a meeting with you for two weeks later. And I said, Diego, I'm setting this meeting with you, which is going to summarize what I learned in the, in the first three weeks. And if I came to that meeting and, and I had your categories, I said, like, this is what I captured from the people side. Here's the things I think is going well. Here's some of the things that people raised to me that I want to put on your radar that we should start looking at. Here's what I captured on the architecture side. And I want to like confirm or deny with you, I think we have debt in this area. Do we need to prioritize that? What do you think? This is what I... So now yeah. we're having like this back and forth conversation about what I've discovered and what I think we should do next, but is it in line with what you think or am I off here? No, no, you think that would impress you. Like, that's good. 100% in line. Yeah, if you're able to summarize and validate what you learn and what is next or what you feel should be different or you're confused about, I think that's like a pretty good indication. A bad indication would be someone that after three weeks is still asking questions like, you still like, Oh, yeah. Or you're not hearing from them. Who should report to me? Or yeah, or your side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think this is a good place for us to cut because we're going to do a part two. 
So we have a part two coming. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the pod. We're going to continue the conversation. But before we go, I always like to give our guests a chance to talk about something. And we were talking before the pod started. You actually have a podcast. So let's have our listeners here. What, what do you have cooking on your pod? Amazing. So we, we started this podcast called Engineering Advice You Didn't Ask For last year. We did season one last year. It's, it's free and available on YouTube, Spotify, everywhere. In this season that we are releasing, we, we finished recording a couple of weeks back. We're releasing now. It's like 10 episodes. And we're doing that now on Substack. And it's half-half. It's half free, half paid, right? So... And we're not going to be releasing on, on the platforms. It is an experiment we are doing to see how much value are we adding and if that is a model that can help us with some costs that we have. So really excited about the season two. We had a really deeper discussion with people that have been in the industry for 10 plus years as managers, staff engineers. So yeah, I would love to hear the feedback, but that's what I want to leave you. Engineer advising and ask for. That's the podcast that I have been working on for the past two years. Very cool. We'll make sure that we include the link to your pod. So thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next week with another episode from Chiago. He's returning to talk about how to build a strong foundation of skills to carry with you for the rest of your career. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.